Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Father, I just thank you for uh, this great leader and for the way that uh, he has led this congregation well, Father. I pray that he would just continue to, to seek your face, Father, uh, before he seeks man's face, Father. That he would continue to seek your will and, uh, and strive after uh, what you have called him to do, Father. So I thank you for leading him in this community. I thank you for uh, leading this congregation well, Father. And I pray that uh, whatever message he has prepared for us today, Father, that it would impact our hearts, Father, that we would uh, have humble hearts toward you, Father, to receive what the words that you have given him. So I thank you, Lord, for, for, for uh, Raymond Garcia. In Jesus' great and mighty name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. It's good to be with all of you. Um, I think that was the most laughter we've heard during announcements. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate that. That was awesome. I love, uh, we, we talk about it all the time, but I just love how at any given moment he just breaks out into laughter. And uh, it, just, it just makes everything more enjoyable. If you're joining with us for the first time or you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we are in, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of moving our way right through the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you got a Bible, you can go ahead to get to Matthew chapter 5, and that's where you'll pick it up. That's where we'll pick it up today. We'll pick it up in verse 33. So you can go ahead and turn there. And uh, while you're turning there, I'll just reinforce a couple of things that you just heard uh, you heard Rick sharing. One was that um, our, our session passed our budget for 2020, which means we, uh, Lord uh, has allowed us to discern the way forward financially as a congregation for the new year. And so in the next couple of weeks, we'll be rolling that out to everybody, and we'll be excited to share that with everyone. Um, but that is, it, was, it, was, it was diligent, faithful, and hard work that the elders went through. And so, church, I just want, to, want you to know, as you've been praying for your elders, that they have been working really hard to see the way forward for this congregation. And I am really excited to sit with them and to, uh, to have sat with them and figured that out with them and excited that we're going to be able to step forward into the new year. Um, secondly, I just want to reinforce uh, one of the things that came out of that was just a real uh, need to do a deep dive, if you can kind of picture that, a deep dive into saying, what does it mean to say this is our home church? This is where we belong. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, we, we say things like, you know, uh, open the front doors, but shore up the back doors, you know, you know like, like let, let people in, but don't let them out kind of thing. We want to keep as many people as a part of the family as we can. One of the things we're asking you to do is really think about as we move into the new year, what does it mean to you for this to be your home church? What does that mean for your participation? Um, but also, what does it mean to you um, in terms of the ways in which you give financially? And uh, we recognize that, uh, that as a church, we give sacrificially already, but we also recognize that there's a very few select few families that, that do a lot of the heavy lifting for our congregation. Um, and so we want to invite all of us as a church to say, okay, how can we continue to participate in a greater way financially in what God is doing here in the life of this church as we continue to take the gospel to the ends of the earth? Amen? Amen. So you're going to keep hearing about this for the next couple of weeks, and then in the middle of December, you're going to have a chance to go ahead and make a pledge to the Lord and a commitment to the congregation of how you will give in the new year that will allow us to see forward how we will be able to satisfy the budget that the elders have passed for the new year. Jesus, would you take the words that we're going to speak now, and would you allow them the same vibrancy that it was when you first spoke these words to the earliest disciples? God, would you allow the congregation today to be called as disciples leading a life that is exemplary for you, that others might come to see and know the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name, and let the people say, amen, amen. Here we go, Matthew chapter 5, starting in the 33rd verse. 
If you're with me, let me hear a loud amen. amen. That was not very loud, but it was an amen, so I'll take it. All right, here we go. It says, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill it to the Lord, but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you have made. But I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, but I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. 38. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Jesus, when he gathered the crowd, when the crowd gathered around him and he began to teach, had the disciples first in mind, but there were clearly many who were gathered around who were not yet disciples and were gleaning from this moment. And you might be sitting here today saying, you know, like Jesus and I are intimately walking together. You would be one of those disciples. But you also might be sitting here next to somebody or around somebody who would say, you know what, I'm here. I showed up and that's that's about what I have to offer. I, I made it. I made it here, and, and I'm ready to listen. And there may even be people around you who are saying, like, I'm just not even sure about this Jesus thing, but, but somebody got me here in church today, so I'm here. And either way, any of, those, any of those areas, while they're true for any of us, what is important in this moment is to recognize what Jesus is saying, because he didn't call time out and only talk to a select few. He charged the disciples, but in charging the disciples, he was speaking to everybody who was in an earshot. And so this morning, might we hear the same thing. Jesus begins to teach, and when he begins to teach, he speaks of things, the law that was in, already in place. In other words, he knew that the audience was like, yeah, I get this. I know the law. I'm faithful to the law. I know the do's and the don'ts. And as long as I do the do's and don't do the don't do's, I'm going to be just fine. And so he says, again, you have heard it go that do not break your oath. Everybody's like, yeah, I know. I'm not supposed to swear by the name of the Lord because if I swear by the name of the Lord and I don't fulfill it, that's like, that's like, that's bad. Like, that's bad. That might even, that might, that might even borderline like blasphemy. Like it's that bad. So I know that's a big time red X, don't do it kind of thing. Maybe you've been uh, out somewhere, let's say at a, at a really rowdy sports game, and, uh, and let's say the team that the majority of the, of the people were cheering for, um, the, a call went against them or a play did not go their way or, or they just happened to be, you know, a local team and, and you just heard, you heard the crowd, you know, like jeering, they were mad and they were angry and, and then you heard it. You couldn't unhear it, you heard it, you felt it cringe within your body. You didn't know where it came from, and even if you did, you thought the voice was a little too loud for you to turn around and reprimand them for it, but you wanted to. You know what I'm talking about? When you hear somebody say something that's like, 
and it involves the name of the Lord with it. Y'all know what I'm saying? I'm trying not to have to. Y'all don't know what I'm saying? How many people back there just, I have no idea what you're talking about, Pastor? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love you guys. I love you guys. He's the only two guys who never heard a curse in the Lord's name together. All right, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. You go to some event, you go somewhere, and somebody drops the bomb and the Lord's name in the same time, right? You're just like, ah, that, I want to turn around and say something, but I think better of my health. I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> Jesus, when he's talking to the crowd, he, he, he starts off by simply saying, we all know that we're not supposed to do those kind of things. And everybody's like, yes, we get it. I remember when somebody did it and I didn't like it. But Jesus is going to take that bar and he's going to raise it one up. He goes on to say, not just are we not supposed to do those kind of things, not just the big red X's, but I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. Now, when he says don't swear an oath at all, he's saying, essentially he's saying, you know, there's no need to make a promise about those things. And the reason why he's saying that is because he, he was talking to a people who were living in a day and age in which the, their word was, very, was not worth very much because they had abused their word. They had misused their word. Like their, their, uh, their, their reputation didn't carry with it the same weight that maybe your reputation carries with it. And the reason why is because they had said, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. Y'all might y'all ever do that and not do it? Anybody guilty? Anybody guilty? I'll call you right back. I'll call you right back. Let me call you. I'll call you right back. And then you, won't, you don't call them back. Come on. Come on. Who is it? Who is it? Yeah, yeah. Who's with me? Who's with me? My mom will tell you. I tell, I'm like, Mom, I'll, be, I'll call you right. Don't point. Don't point. Put me on blast. I'll call you right back. And like four days later, I'm like, oh, oh, bring her cookies. So this was kind of the way of, of the people. They were just like, yeah, like, yeah, like their word just had decreasing value. And Jesus is going to rebuke this moment simply by saying, we knew that we couldn't make promises for, you know, in the name of the Lord because that was wrong if we didn't keep them. But I want to actually tell you, Anytime we break the promise, that's the big X. Jesus is raising the bar here. He's actually going to help us understand how to reclaim, how to reclaim our reputation. That in a minute, but, but he's actually going to help us figure out, okay, the reason why is because what we are known for is really important. What is known about us really does matter. He goes on to say, he says, you don't have to make a promise in the name of heaven, because that's where God lives, or earth, because, you know, that's, that's the place where he rests his feet, or, or, or the city in which he came from. You don't have to swear by anything. Why? Because who you are, an image bearer of God, a child of God, carries with it all the value that's needed for your word to be held true. So he's speaking to the people, and he says, look, you know, if you simply say yes and follow through, or if you simply say no and then don't, we're going to be just fine. We're going to be just fine. This is probably a message I could have saved until like right at the end of the year because we often fall victim to this. We make promises for the new year, don't we? Don't we? Come on. Come on. I'm not the only person. I know this. I know this. We make promises for the new year and then we keep them for a new minute. It's just a short minute. It makes about two weeks into the new year. Amen? Come on, come on. Who's remembering those, pro those promises they made and didn't keep them? Come on, come on. 
If all y'all kept them promises, that's really good. The rest of us are just honest right here. All right? You don't have to be that honest. I understand. Here's what he says. He says, don't swear by your head. Oh, yeah. Don't swear by the city. Don't swear by the earth. Don't swear by uh, the heavens. Don't swear at all. Matter of fact, he simply says, let your yes or no be it. Because anything beyond that, are you with me in 37? Anything beyond that, put that up on the screen for me, 37. That's cool. That's nice. Rewind. Rewind two more. Well, yeah, there it is. Oh, there it is. Hey, let's give it up for the guy on the slides. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon crushing it. <clears throat> Anything beyond a yes or a no actually comes from the evil one. I don't know about you, but when I make a promise that I'm going to do something and I don't do it, I haven't actually thought to myself, oh, you know what? That's the devil at work in my life. I haven't actually thought that. I've actually just been like, oh, you know what? I didn't keep a promise. You know, I was supposed to call her, and I didn't call her. You know, like, I was supposed to be home at 5, and I got home at 7. Like, I, didn't, I just didn't hold my word. I actually haven't thought, man, Satan, you won that one. But Jesus makes this an important conversation when he attributes that any time we don't keep our yes or our no, we're actually giving way to the work of the evil one. Can we just pause with that for a second? Because the weight of the idea that Satan has a small victory in my life is frustrating. Jesus, in verse 36, said, we need not swear by our head by anything of ours because we have no control over whether our hair is white or black. I was laughing about this as I thought about it because I'm in the, uh, I'm in the stage of life where my hair is moving. <laughs> Literally, it's moving out of my head, but also like the color is migrating. And uh, so not just my, 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 my brow line is migrating back, but my, my color is going from dark to light. And I find myself looking in the mirror occasionally and being like, oh, how, did, how many of those do I got in there? And I find like, no, no one else? At, thank you, thank you, thank you. A couple of people understand this. At some point, it becomes really cool. Like, it's just this stage is not really cool. Like, when you get to the gray stage, it's like, yeah, wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, when you get to the black and gray stage, it's like, you're just getting old. And confused, you know. But but I but I noticed some things are changing, and I've, I've been thinking like, what could I do? Like you know, there's beard dyes and things like that, and I was thinking like, you know, like that'd be cool. Like just brush it out and dye it, you know. And I was like, no, nah, it's not going to be it. And you know, and then I thought maybe just baby face it, and I was just like, that's. I asked my wife, and she was like, that's just bad. Don't do it. It's not your thing. And so just kind of the the confusing black and gray beard thing was going on. But it got me thinking about this. Jesus actually says, look, you don't have any control over that. And I was like, you know, he's right. I got no control over these things. There are things that happen in my life that he has just said, this is how it's going to go. And it just ha- like, I was talking to Nate yesterday, and we were talking about hair. And last night, last night, it was like 9.30 at night. And I was like, Nate, you know, um, I don't know why we were talking about his hair, but we were talking about his hair. And, and I said to him, I said, you know, someday you might look like daddy. And he said, Lord, No. <laughs> No. And I said, I said, but I had hair like you before. And he was like, yeah, no. 
I just, I want to keep what I got. And I was like, all right, well, like, enjoy it for now. Enjoy it. Your genes say something different. What can you control about your life? What do you have control over in your life? I mean, there's a lot of things we don't have control over. And then there's some things that we, we, we semi have control over. And then there's probably a few things that we do have control over. But Jesus illustrates two polarized positions. He says, you have no control over things like your skin tone, your hair color, your height. Don't bother trying to control those things. But he draws the opposite parallel by saying, you do have control over this. What's your yes and what's your no? How do you control the way you're known? What people know you for? See, when he's talking to the disciples and he was raising the bar, in part what he was saying is, you are meant to be people who are reputable. You're meant to be people who, who are known for their yes and their no, who are known for following through. You're meant to be people of, of high integrity. But we compromise that, we sell that, we give it away, we barter that simply by saying yes and then not, or saying no and then doing, right? We give away who we are, the, the image of God that we're made in. We trade that in simply by, by not following through on our word. Now, you can, you can catch the irony in this moment when he's talking, right? Because the immediate, if you could picture it like a sanctuary, and, you know, and, and forgive me for standing in his place, but if he was standing in the front, and, and then the people who were sitting closest to the front would have been the, the disciples, thank you. And then, then the next layer of people back would have been people who were like, yeah, I'm good. And then a little bit further back would be, ah. and then people in the back would have got a big arm and I'm going to throw tomatoes at you, right? Like, that's kind of how the, that's how the layers go. So, Vern, don't throw anything in my direction, okay? All right, good. All right, so there it is. That's kind of how the layers went. But you can picture the irony of this because Jesus is, is, is speaking directly to the disciples, talking about raising their reputation and what they're going to be known for. And yet we know, and we'll see it again in just a minute, we know that when push comes to shove, the disciples... Well, they become known for people who run instead of people who stay. They become known for people who chose to turn away and deny instead of people who chose to anchor in. You've heard it said before, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I, that, that's, that's Old Testament law, right? That's Leviticus, right? So if you want to check that out, you can, you can find that. That's, uh, uh, you, you, you can find that in, in, in Leviticus 19. You can find that in there. You can also pick it up again in, uh, in uh, you'll see James talking about it. You can also pick it up in Zechariah chapter 8, three different places you can hear about this. But he says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That idea of like, what you do to me, I'm going to do to you. What I do to you, you can do back to me. But, but I tell you, Jesus says, do not resist an evil person. Um, I said this last night. I want to say it again today um, to all of us. Please don't misuse this scripture. Don't, don't, Jesus is not suggesting in any kind of way that you should sit in a place and remain in a place where you're being harmed. He is not. 
So to the, to the lady in the room or the guy in the room who chooses to misuse this scripture and suggest some kind of idea that you have the right to bring harm to somebody else, that is not what Jesus is talking about. Let me also say this. He is, uh, the Old Testament law that says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth was not talking about how you handle yourself in the schoolyard. All right? So for all of us who have just told our kids, well, they hit you first, so hit them harder, that is not what Scripture was talking about there, okay? Like, that is not the general idea here. That's just kind of the, the crazy application of it. That being said, if you whack me, I'm not fully sanctified yet. I'm coming at you. <laughs> coming at you, okay? All right? Just kind of put that right there for you, all right? <clears throat> but I tell you the truth, Jesus says, do not resist the evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them your other cheek also. This idea of the, the, the backhand, turn around and let the forehand come back. The backhand is meant to insult. The forehand is meant to bring the power, right? This, this idea of uh, it, it, when this happens, when somebody hits you, you have one of two reactions. Actually, reaction number one, Old Testament idea, eye for an eye. You're like, I'm gonna, I know what I'm going to do. You smack me, I'm going to smack you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other idea is you smack me and I'm going to run, right? That's the other idea. That's the other idea. And Jesus says, no, no, when they smack you, actually stand in there. And see what happens next. This crazy concept, if you think about this, plays itself out just when Jesus is about to be arrested. Doesn't it? We know the story, right? Jesus is about to get arrested, right? And he goes off to have a time of prayer, and Peter stands guard and takes a nap, and then somebody comes and they, they bring the charge against Jesus, and Peter jumps up and slices their ear off. And, and you know, Sorry for the little ones who are in the room, but here's the good news. Jesus fixes that. Does it, no, no one else sees the power in this story? The moronic move of the disciple who doesn't live into what God has told him to do and instead takes his own power in his own hands, and Jesus, the one who is about to be fully, full, carry the full weight and penalty of sin for all of us, says, let me do one more act. Watch what I'll do for you. I'll forgive you even though, even though we just talked about this. You went out just after the sermon was over and did it. And Jesus said, I got this. And I'm going to do it in a miraculous way that is undeniable that you'll never forget. I'm going to heal both him and you. This is what happened in that story. But so Jesus is talking. He says, you know, get stand there. You get smacked in the cheek. Turn around the other cheek also. And we've all heard this before, you know, like, and then we've, we've used this. We've kind of, you know, tried to teach our kids something like this or something like that. But I want to actually try to suggest what I think Jesus is talking about here. I think Jesus is actually asking us to weigh in. You know, weigh in. And when I say weigh in, I mean this. <clears throat> If my natural response when things get hard are to run, if my natural response when, when I'm in a situation that just doesn't look like I want it to look, or I'm around people that don't look like the people I want to be around, or, or, or just if, if my natural reaction to the, the, uh, the, yeah, the, the temperament that I'm around is to flee, I think Jesus is actually saying, no, 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 weigh in. Double, double down. Drop your anchor. Be steady. This is not going to hurt you. It's going to demoralize you. You would want to run as a result. But anchor down. 
He knew all that would be coming. He knew the people who were there. He knew that the, the persecution that they would face. He knew the, the response that the disciples would be likely to have, and yet his words to them would suggest that he's actually saying, in the face of whatever is coming, choose to stay. Choose to be in. Choose to be invested. Choose to say, I will not run. I will help create. I, I will change the reality here. I will not respond to it by fleeing from it. Jesus, talking to his disciples, gives this illustration that all, for, for a long, long time, has suggested one of two things. You either hit back or you run away. And Jesus says, I think both of them are not right. Choose to stay. When you stay in a situation that seems like you have no control over it, and you say, I'm staying in this moment, your dependency moves from yourself to God. God, I need you in this moment. I'm not running from it. I'm not fleeing from it. I can't change it. I can't rebuke it. I can't change it. But I will stay. I will stay. I will be steady. <clears throat> the disciples have to figure out what to do with that, and I have to figure out what to do with that. Let me give you a couple of quick points. Number one, if you're trying to figure out what to do with this message this morning, first thing I would say is ask the Lord this question. Am I a honesty and integrity? Am I a person of honesty and integrity? And if the answer to that question of, to either of those is no, repent. God, I can't change what others think of me, but you can. And God, you know my natural leanings. I naturally do this. When I was young, I, uh, I was really gifted at storytelling. Mm-hmm, it's true. Some of you are thinking, what happened to the gift? But that's all right, that's all right. But I was gifted at a young age. The reason why is because I had to learn how to talk myself out of trouble right? I got in it, and I had to try to figure out how to get myself out of it. And so I got really gifted at storytelling. I had an imagination that went on for days, and if nothing else, I would tell a story that was long enough that you would get tired of listening, and you would forget how mad at me you were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It worked in multiple arenas of my life, right? And so, uh, and I, I was telling that story so long, I don't remember why I was telling you it. But when I was young, I was gifted at storytelling. I was gifted at storytelling. Oh, oh, I got it, I got it. But, um, <clears throat> But my giftedness in storytelling didn't always lead me to honesty. In fact, a lot of me to say things that would be half truth. We call those the little lies, right? The little lies. Anybody ever tell the little lies? Not the big lies, not the big ones, but you, you know, you stretch the, stretch the little ones. Anybody stretch the little ones? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're all, we're all, we're all kind of excited to say those us, yeah, until Jesus actually calls that sin. Yeah, so how are we doing at being people of honesty and integrity? This is a, one of those occasions, by the way, where first impressions matter. Can, can I just have a second with this? First impressions matter. When Jesus is talking to the crowd, first impressions matter. He's telling them to be people who are known for honesty and integrity. Like, what people see you doing matters. What people hear you saying matters. Please don't come and try to peddle off this idea that you can be like the world because you have Jesus in you and you want to be close enough to the world that you can help them understand Jesus. 
What people see and they hear from you matters. Be, be, if you're going to stand for Christ, stand for Christ in a way that everybody knows you stand for him. Don't hide it. Don't mislead it. Don't only bring it out on, you know, on certain occasions. If you're going to stand for Christ, stand for Christ in a way that everybody knows it. And we as a church will celebrate it with you. You won't be alone in it. Be a people of high integrity and honesty. Second thing, God is in every moment, not just the big moments. And that's when he talks about this idea, don't tell lies based on, I mean, don't don't make promises based on these other things. And the whole point is, he says, where can you promise where God is not? Like, you can say, oh, I promise you based on, uh, ba- ba- based on who I am. Well, who made you who you are? God did. Okay, then God's in that. Okay, uh, based on the earth. Well, who made the earth? God did. And, and, and based on the city. Well, who, who, who created the city? God did. And based on the heavens. Well, who's in the heavens? God is. I mean, the whole point is kind of t- t- tackling back right to David when David said, you know, I've tried everywhere I could go to flee from you, and there's nowhere I can get to where you're not, God. And he has this epiphany moment. He says, God, you're that big. You're so big, God, that you're everywhere all at the same time. So I'm going to stop trying to get past you. I'm going to stop trying to get over on you. And I'm just going to confess and concede that, God, you're in it. You're in it. Now, if God is in it, that means a couple of things. Watch this. In the really good moments, God is... Thank you. I heard two people. God is in it. All right, God, I'll feed you. God is in it, right? In the really big moment, in the really good moments, God is. In it. That's good. In the moments that seem a little questionable, God is still. In, it. in the moments that are not going so well, God is still. In it. Now somehow we've got to keep this in mind that, that God isn't only in the moments that everything seems favorable. Everything is going really good today, so it's a God kind of day. But on Friday, when your boss told you you weren't doing so hot at your job, you know what? It was still a God kind of day. God is still in those moments. So we can't excuse away anything suggesting that God isn't in it. So Jesus says to the disciples and to everyone else, he says, look, don't bother making promises and trying to swear by the name of God. I'm in all things. So simply allow your yes to be it. You don't need to go by my name because I'm in it whether you attribute it to me or not. Maybe you don't get that and don't get exactly the application of that, but let me help you understand this. That means the situation you're in here thinking about right now while I'm preaching, he's in it. He's in it. And whether it feels favorable to you right now or not, he is still in it. The way he might be in it is simply by being in you and you being in that moment, but he is still in it. He is in that moment with you. He is in that moment for you. The third thing this morning is when Jesus talks about this idea of the eye for the eye and the cheek for the cheek and turning the other cheeks, you get that as well. He's actually calling us to an act of service. You see, what is best for me, what is natural for me, what I might naturally want to do might be to flee. You ever uh, have, a, have a hard day at the job and We'll talk, we'll talk to our, our more senior generation. You ever have a hard day? You'll understand why in a second. You ever have a hard day at the job and you open up the newspaper to the want ads? Come on, come on. Honest, anybody? anybody? Come on, put your hand up higher so we know. Come on, don't be embarrassed. Yeah, watch. watch. We're going to help you feel not alone. Watch this, watch this, watch this. So to our younger generation, when you had a hard day at work, you ever Google... Come on, come on, come on. No, no, there was no one as you went to. You just Googled. You were like, jobs in Philly. 
starting now. Right? You know, like, you, you just immediately went there, right? All right, all right, all right, all right. that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. To the moms in the room who, who have, the, have the opportunity to be home more often than not with the kids, you ever have a hard day with the kids and you just started counting the clock until dad came home? Anybody? Yes, just one. You, no, there's a couple others. They put their hands up. They, was, they, was, they watched to see who else put their hand up first. That's good, that's good, right, right, right. <clears throat> the natural reaction that we have in any of these kind of moments is to just say, oh, what feels best for me is to just get out of it, to get out of it get out of it. And Jesus actually says, what's best for me is to do what's best for somebody else. What's best in this moment is to do what's best for somebody else. You see, if you bring that hand against me, what's best for me might be to run. But if I stay, it will eventually lead to what's best for you. This idea of sacrificially loving somebody else. I said it this way. I'll say it this way. Serve others. All others. Serve others, specifically, all others. I was, uh, I was at a gathering of pastors, uh, about 400 pastors and, and leaders around our city that were gathered together on a Friday, and uh, they were from all different ministries and marketplace and everything else, and I happened to be sitting at this table with this one lady who runs a uh, shelter, and I was talking to her and just like, you know, tell me your story, like, how, how, how did this come about or whatever, and and, uh, and they were telling the story, everybody's telling their stories, and somebody said to her, you know, um, who is it that's hardest for you to serve? Who is it that's hardest for you to serve? You know, and, and, and let's just be honest, right? Like, if you can find people who like the things you like, and they sound like you sound, and, and, and they have the, the natural lineage that you have, they're just easy to be around, aren't they? Just like, you know, like, if I could just find a lot of people who just look like this, I could just be around them all the time. Like, just life would be cool. Right? You know, like, <clears throat> so who is it that's hard for you to serve, they asked her. And she said, oh, she said, she immediately knew the answer. She was like, I have a really hard time with people who smell bad. Now, I expected her to say, you know, like, tall people or short people or thin people or heavy people or, you know, like, brown people or, or light people. But she said smelly people. Like, that catches everybody off guard. Like, well, smelly. That is not one of the four options I thought you would say. But specifically, think about this. I told you what her job was, right? She runs a shelter. When was the last time you were around somebody who was living on the street and they smelled like they weren't? It's crazy. And so she naturally drew us all in. I mean, the whole table just leaned in toward her like, I want to know more of this story. And she said, yeah. She was like, you know, I was out serving in other capacities, and I recognized right away I have a hard time with people who don't fit in my box. And when I yielded to the Lord, he said, I want you to serve the people who don't fit in your box. And he moved her to a place that her everyday experience will be with people who don't fit in her box. How are you doing at serving the people who don't fit in your box? How are you doing it loving the people who don't check the box that you need checked? How are you doing, in this case, at serving people who smell bad? Choose to serve others, specifically all others. And I want to wrap up this morning with these last couple of verses. He says, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, 
Give them your coat as well. If anyone forces you to walk one mile, walk the second mile with them. Give to one who asks and don't turn anybody away who wants to borrow from you. <clears throat> Jesus is talking about laws that exist for uh, that the, the, the Jewish people would have understood. And as he points to these laws, and you're like, all right, he's only asking me to live according to the law until he tells you to go beyond the law. So he says, if anybody wants to sue you, if it goes to the court case and they win the court case, give them what's theirs and then give them more. And, uh, and, and if anyone forces you to go the one mile, which was, again, Levitical law, he says, walk a second mile with them. Walk your portion and their portion above and beyond. If anyone asks for something, give them everything you got. When he, when he talks about this, he's saying, the law is here. I'm telling you to go beyond the law. Well, Jesus, why? He says, because the law reveals what's wrong. Going beyond the law reveals the grace that makes it better. Right? So I want to say to us today, like as we, as we step into the situations that we're going back to, as we go into our workplace, as we go back with our family, as we sit with the people we love, and we live according to the law, we only reveal what's broken. But when we live beyond the law, we reveal the grace of God, which is the one, which is what fixes it, which is the redeemer, which is the one who brings value again, which is the one who restores the reputation, which is the one who looks at you and says, I know you went wrong, but watch what I can do. That is the grace of God that restores that. It is not the law of God. The law of God reveals what's wrong, reveals our need for relationship with the one who brings grace. So I got to ask you today, church, how are you doing at revealing the grace of God by living beyond the law? I know what's, I know what's within your rights and your wrongs. Cool. How are you doing at revealing the grace of God? I can look at a situation and say, it's in my rights to do this. But is it gracious? Is it gracious? Does it reveal the love of God? Ask this morning, I'll ask again. What's your reputation like? Are you known for your yes and your no, for speaking honestly, for being a person of high character and integrity? Have you fallen victim to being somebody who tells the little lies and excuses those? How are you doing at serving others, specifically all others? And have you gone beyond the law to express the grace of God? When we sacrifice our own wants and our own rights, we display for the world the grace of God. I think applying that is hard. Specifically hard because applying the grace of God suggests that I might need to give way or give up on something that is due me. That's true. You guys remember when you surrendered your life to Jesus? Whenever that happened for you, you were really okay with that idea though, weren't you? Giving up what was due you for something else, right? Because what was due you in that moment was, was death, was penalty. 
was the response to sin. But you was okay with trading that, weren't you? I mean, you yielded your life to Jesus, and Jesus was like, I'll take that from you. Oh, please, here, give me something that's not due me and take what's due me. And Jesus did. And we're all really cool with that. I ask you again, how are you doing your own rights, your own ways, what is due you in order to reveal the love of Christ to somebody else? God is going to set you up in a situation this week where you will be the witness of Christ for somebody. Reveal the grace of God. Choose to be when you could, when you have the bounds of what is okay to be the hammer. Instead, reveal the grace of God. Where you have the moment to say no, instead, choose to say yes. And either way, whether it's a yes or it's a no, choose to follow through. Follow through. Become people who are known for high integrity, high character, and honesty. And for each one of us this week, let's pray together now. Jesus, I don't want to get smacked in the face. And I don't want to get smacked twice. God, if what you're asking me to do is anchor down in situations that are uncomfortable, in situations where I have a right to flee, but you're saying don't, even though I have a right to, if, if anchoring down will lead to somebody else being able to find their foundation on your shores, hold my feet tight, God. Hold my feet tight. God, for every time that every one of us has the opportunity to live by our yes or our no, and we're tempted to slide away from that, oh, Father God, in those moments, win the day. Let Satan not have his way. Win that day, God. And God, for whoever might be here today who's thinking to themselves, I don't know how to reclaim my reputation. I don't know how to get back on the right track. I mean, I've traded everything in for things that, that have washed away. God, be the one who restores by your grace. Be the one who invites back. Be the one who says, I stayed steady even though we went afar. The same way you invited Peter back to an even greater place after moments of great denial. The same way you took him and said, look out there. I'm going to build. I'm going to build the church. I'm going to use you to do that. God, in that same way, restore us. In that same way, give us back clarity of who we are and whose we are. In that same way, invite us to a deeper place in community with one another that we not try to make this on our own, but together we stand boldly for Christ in this city. Father God, in ways that only you can, make us a people of honesty and integrity. Make us a people who say yes and mean it. Make us a people who choose not to run. In Jesus' mighty name, 
We worship that risen king who can, who will, and who has already given us life. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.